Matthew chapter 13, parable of the soils. Some of you may have heard about this as the parable of the sower. And so we're gonna walk through this parable. This is one of those parables that we're fortunate because Jesus himself interprets it at the end of chapter 13 or later on in chapter 13. And so we're gonna be looking at verses one through nine. We'll start with the actual parable and then we will look at verses 18 through 23 as we walk through the text. So I need to read the story to you. And in this story, this parable that Jesus tells, it starts out by saying he went out of the house, he went down to the sea. As he's there at the Sea of Galilee, the crowd comes, he gets into a boat, he pushes out, the teacher sits down, the crowd stands. The crowd is standing on the Sea of Galilee listening to Jesus's words. So in honor of the reading of God's word, I'm gonna ask that you stand as we read Matthew chapter 13, verses one through nine. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea and great crowds gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them many things in parables saying, a sower went out to sow and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. And other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears... Let him hear. Dear Lord, I pray that today we would have ears to hear what your word says to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. All right, Matthew chapter 13. Pull out your journals, get ready to go. I'm gonna give you the main idea. The main idea of our text for today, the new concept that Jesus is communicating through this parable is that few will receive the gospel message and produce fruit. Now think about the context of what might be in their minds as they're thinking about the coming Messiah, as they're thinking about a coming king. The disciples misunderstood this. The disciples, even one of their moms is asking them, can, can one of my sons sit on your right hand and your left hand in the kingdom there? They're thinking that Jesus is gonna come and establish a kingdom in the mind. They may have David there and they're thinking that this kingdom is gonna be accepted and it's gonna be embraced. And all of a sudden, Jesus is telling a story and he's telling them this story and he's saying, good seed is being spread about. The seed is the word of God. It's the word of the new kingdom and Jesus is the sower. And then the disciples later on and then even us today, this goes to, but Jesus as the perfect sower with the perfect word, the gospel spreading this out. Some may think everybody must accept this gospel message. And yet Jesus is saying it doesn't always fall on fertile hearts or on fertile minds or on fertile souls. And so here we see the story, the parable about the different types of soil. Now the different types of soil, it's not, it's not about dirt. In fact, have you ever heard the expression, let me plant this thought in your mind? How many of you have ever heard that expression? That kind of comes from this concept. 
I wanna plant a thought in somebody's mind. It's a, it's a leadership principle that we utilize. If you want somebody to think about something or do something, let me plant this thought in your mind. Let you think about it so that then it will grow in your mind and hopefully, if it's a good idea, it will take fruit, it'll take root and root will produce the fruit. And so planting this thought in their minds, Jesus is saying there are some minds that are hard, there are some minds that are shallow, there are some minds that are distracted, but there are some minds that are receptive. So you can think about this as your mind. You can also think about this as your heart, understanding that your heart is what embraces all of your inner emotions, your inner being, your inner self, who you are. You could think about it as your soul. Your soul is either gonna be receptive to the gospel or reject the gospel. You could think about it as though you're hearing because it ends with the passage and says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Sometimes in our hearing, we're hard of hearing. We don't wanna hear it. Sometimes you know, we're kind of selective or shallow in our hearing. We don't wanna listen well. Sometimes in our hearing, we're distracted because other things are going on and perhaps I'm on my phone or perhaps I'm listening to music and somebody says something and I just completely tune them out because I'm focused on something else. And then sometimes we are receptive in that hearing. So you've got a lot of different analogies here. It's not about dirt. It's ultimately about your hearing, your mind, your soul, or as I've chosen today to give you the outline, your heart. So here's our outline of our text. We're gonna walk through the four different types of hearts, the four different types of soils. You have the hard heart. We talk about hard-hearted all the time. You understand what a hard heart would be as far as receptivity to the gospel. We have the shallow heart. We'll walk through and look at even how Jesus characterizes that later in Matthew chapter 13. You have the distracted heart. We'll talk about that as well. And then you have the receptive heart, which is where we all wanna be. So this parable today, Jesus is telling a story and he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So as I tell you this story, if I'm gonna do justice to this story, there's a weight to this parable. There's a weight as we listen to this parable for us to examine our own hearts and ask ourselves the question, which soil most represents me? Am I the person that has completely rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ? Am I the person that's just shallow? Am I the person that is distracted and all over the place? Or am I the receptive hearer, the receptive heart? So as I give you this, I've got to give you this with an, with an ounce of warning, with an ounce of, of passion to plead with you not to be one of the three types of soils that don't produce fruit. And throughout Matthew, when he talks about those who are saved, he talks about those who produce fruit. And those who are not saved are those who do not produce fruit. So this text is, is communicating to us a story that says 75% of the people that receive this, if you were to go 25% each, are, are not gonna be receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's look at what the text says. It says in chapter 13, verse one, the same day, Jesus went out of the house. So he got up and he went out, that's good. He sat down beside the sea. A great crowd gathered about him. So then he gets in a boat, he sits down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. Now, one commentator said that if he's in a boat and he's talking, that this would have carried over 300 feet. His voice would have easily carried that far because you have the water, and, and you understand what it's like when you're talking to somebody that's on a boat, and they, they, they shout back to you, and it carries. The voice just carries because of the acoustic nature of the water and, and the beach, and so here they are, a big crowd spread out, and Jesus begins a parable. Jesus begins this parable, and he talks about a sower. So think in your mind, way back to that time, perhaps a bag 
Perhaps somebody's carrying something and they're walking along and they've got this field and they're just tossing seed out. Have you ever tossed fertilizer out on to, by hand or anything out onto a, a yard or seed or something of that nature? And as you toss it out and scatter it, some of it obviously goes farther than you intended. Some of it clumps up right at your feet. Some of it goes in different directions. And, and in this world, you might've had a path in between multiple fields and so they may be tossing this way. Well, some, some's gonna fall on this hard path Some's gonna go into different areas. And so there's a sower sowing. Who's the sower? Jesus is the one sowing. The kingdom message, the gospel that's coming forth is the word. The seed is all good seed. It's not like you pull bad seed out and say, I'm not gonna give you the full gospel. I'm gonna give you the gospel. It's the same gospel message. But when it falls on different soils, different things happen. When it falls on different hearts, different responses happen. So here he's gonna walk through this. And he tells us as he's walking through this, number one, the hard heart arises. This is a gospel invitation. So we have the cross as a background on our PowerPoint. He says, as he sowed some seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Now, Jesus, when he's interpreting this portion, it's right there in verse 19. You, you can just look probably on the same page or scroll on your device just a little bit. And he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, so there is not understanding, no ears to hear. You remember the reflection back to Isaiah? They don't understand the word. It says the evil one comes. Oh, who's the evil one? Now, does that mean all birds are evil ones? No. That's, that's, remember, we don't take this too far to, to then draw parallels to every single portion. It's not exactly what's being saying, although... Some of those black crows, I think they may be the evil ones. They're just annoying birds. But if you like them, that's your problem. An evil one comes, and it says it snatches away what has been sown in his heart. So you see why? I'm choosing the word heart there. Jesus, as he's interpreting it, as it's been translated here, is using, it's been sown in the heart, it's snatched away. This is what was sown along the path. Now, this parable occurs also in Luke who says it fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. You get the image, right? It's on the path. The path is hard. The path is not gonna, gonna allow the root to spring up. And then people walk on it and they're just trampling the seed on this hard path. This, this seed has little opportunity to take root. Matthew here says the evil one. We know who that is. But Mark says Satan. And Luke says the devil. So the devil, the evil one, the accuser, Satan, comes and snatches away the gospel message that has been planted into a hard heart. Why is it that we share the gospel with relatives sometimes and they just don't respond? They don't accept what we think is so obvious and so clear? But there, there's a commentator that I read in, in one of the commentaries and in his sermon, he, he does a manuscript and he wrote this out so well, I didn't think I could improve upon it. So I'm, I'm gonna read a longer section to you here. I don't, I don't usually do this, but I think this paints the picture for us. As the ground of the highway was trodden down, so the hearts of many hearers are so hard and insensible that divine truth effects no lodgment and consequently makes no impression the heart has been so passed over and trodden down so hard 
by the constant passings of sin and vanities that it has become indifferent to spiritual things. The unconverted heart is Satan's field and highway. In it, it has a constant ingress, egress, regress, and progress. The vanities and passions and lusts of the earth make it insensible to the things which are unseen and eternal. So we hear this and we ask ourselves the question, is this our heart? Even here at Cedarville, is there somebody who's so hard-hearted and rejecting the gospel that they are pushing back on every portion of the word that is being shared? He continues here, so far as it concerns the great truths of the gospel, your mind is listless and indifferent. Your interest in the sermon altogether springs from the eloquence of the speaker and not from any deep felt interest in the things spoken. These are to you stale, flat, and unprofitable. You do not understand them, nor realize them, nor lay heart to them. But most of you do not hear at all. Your minds are filled and occupied with things other than the gospel. When you came, all your care was to prepare your bodies so as to make at least a neat and respectable appearance. But you gave no even closet care to preparing your hearts to come and appear before God. You clothed your bodies, but you did not wash in the blood of Christ nor array yourselves in his robes of righteousness. Now you are here, however. Clearly divine truth may be presented. Your hearts remain unaffected. Vanity, pride, business, pleasure, lust, covetousness, ambition, fill the heart and exclude the word. These are the evil birds by which the wicked one, Satan, the adversary, the devil, catches away the word from your heart so that it never germinates at all. Your attention is never seriously arrested. Your mind's never seriously convinced of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. You live only for this life. There's a caution for all of us as we examine our hearts, our minds, our ears. There's a warning in this text and in this word that says to us, don't be the hard-hearted. Don't be those who reject eternal truths of a glorious God and a gracious gospel because we're too concerned about the things of this world. That's not the only heart or the only soil that we see continues on here in verse five and he says, other seed fell on rocky ground. They did not have much soil, so they sprang up and then they had no depth of soil. So when the sun rose, they were scorched and since they had no root, they withered away. Now verse 20, we get the explanation. So you look at verse 20 and it says, as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word. Now, this is what scares us. So I pause to let you look at verse 20. You hear the word and what do you do? immediately receives it with joy. That should terrify every one of us. Immediately receives the word with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but he endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Luke states, when he tells this parable, accounts of this parable, because it had no moisture. Other state, because it had no depth of soil, the sun scorched, it withered, it had no root. Luke says of what Jesus' interpretation of this is, is there's a time of testing that comes. So I, I wanna submit to you that this type soil we see all throughout America. I'm not, I'm not down on revivals. I'm not down on church camps. 
I'm not down on invitations. I, I do them, I love them. I think they're great. But far too often you have somebody at a church camp that will respond with great joy to the gospel in one week and two weeks later they're right back to living the way they used to live with absolutely no fruit ever being shown. Too frequently you have somebody in an emotional invitation, even perhaps like the one we had at Bible conference, not appealing to emotion, but somebody that comes and, and because there's energy and excitement and everybody's singing in the room, you respond to an invitation and and you, you can even have tears flowing down your eyes. You can have great joy at hearing the word. What is this? I'm a sinner and I have no hope. Oh, but Jesus has offered me the hope of the gospel so I don't have to go to hell and burn for all eternity. I'll receive that with great joy. Oh, but then the testing comes. You're like, wait a second, I want no part of this. I thought Jesus was like an added feature, an upgrade. I leveled up in life. I get to do everything I want to do and add Jesus to the top. He's the cherry, if you like cherries, on your Chick-fil-A milkshake. Now, for me, I throw all the cherries away because I don't like cherries. I like the whipped cream. So if you don't like cherries, he's the whipped cream on your Chick-fil-A milkshake. That's not who Jesus is. This is American prosperity gospel. This is therapeutic moral deism. I want people to think I'm a good person. I want to have this hope of when I die, something else is going to happen. I don't just cease to exist. So I'm going to take this little nugget of what I've heard in the gospel, and then I'm going to apply it to my life. But then my life, I start living in. And Cedarville student, if you think Jesus is only going to make good things happen, I've got news for you. We all undergo trials. We all are tested. Our faith is tested. Things are not going to go perfectly for you your entire life. And when that testing happens, then comes the time to find out who you are. When that testing happens, do I push away and say, no, no, I want none of that? Or is that when we dig into the word and we lean into Jesus and we lean into our Christian community and we say, no, I'm gonna persevere through this. I believe in Christ. He is my hope, whether life is good or bad. Do we with Job say, though he slay me, I will worship him. If you are only in the gospel for the good things, for the fun, for the cherry on top, for the whipped cream, that's not the gospel so shallow. There's a soil that has rock underneath it. It doesn't go deep enough because there's no rock underneath it. That seed gets planted in it. It gets quick roots. It pops up quickly. And when it pops up quickly, the farmer might walk by and look and go, oh, look at this growth. There's new growth. How excited I am for this quick growth. Just like some of us might look at someone's life and say, oh, look, the quick growth that's happening here. And yet there's no deep root that allows it. The roots we don't see the deep roots of digging into the word, a personal quiet time, meditating on the word, memorizing scripture, paying attention in your theology classes, in your New Testament, your Old Testament classes, so that when those trials come, you can say, I am equipped and ready to stand firm. Just because you receive something with joy, just because you pop up quickly and somebody might look at your life and go, oh, you're doing great. Are you digging your roots deep? So what does this look like here for us? Yeah, I go to chapel. Yeah, it's fine. My friends go. Yeah, I take those classes. I, yeah, I got C's in them, it's okay. You know, the Bible minor stuff, whatever. I'm here to play sports. Or I'm here because mom and dad made me come. 
or I'm here because I got a good scholarship. Or, yeah, it's, you know, it's a friendly place. I like it. It's safe. I like corn. There's corn everywhere around here. So, that's, you know, that's why I'm here. Yeah, we see it. Do you have a quiet time? Oh, come on, man. No, I don't do that stuff. Do you memorize scripture? Yeah. That's for the nerds. Do you have relationships that genuinely challenge you to be a follower of Christ? Uh-uh. Man, I'm not letting anybody in my life that deep. No chance. No way, Jose. You graduate Cedarville. Do you join a local church? Eh, I don't need that stuff. I had four years of that stuff. Are you digging in the word? Nope, not a bit. You know what happens? Life happens. Challenges happen. Trials happen. Struggles happen. And if you are not the Psalm 1 believer who is planted firmly with deep roots beside the living water, my fear for you is the second soil, shallow. Listen to me. God that created us, God that created all of this, gave us his word to tell us who he is and who we are and how we should live for all eternity, what we need to know. Not for the 70 years I might live on this earth, but for all eternity. If I'm not looking into this word deeply to find out what it says about him and what it says about me, then I am a shallow individual foolishly walking through this world. It's a caution to my soul. Am I the shallow soil? Am I the shallow heart? Am I the shallow mind? Am I the shallow listener? There's a third soil. It's the distracted heart. We see it in verse seven. Other seed fell among thorns. So you get the image. It falls among the weeds or the thorns and it says here that the thorns grew up and choked them. The strangled heart, perhaps, the strangled mind, it choked them out. Verse 22, Jesus then is telling us what this means and it says, as for those that were sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but pay attention here. Oh, there's a caution for all of us. But the cares of the world, there's one, and the deceitfulness of riches, there's two, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Mark adds it yielded no grain. He also adds the desire for other things entered in and chokes the word. Luke says, we're choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Note that it says the deceitfulness of riches. Get a little taste of money. I, it's a nice car. It's a nice house. It's, I can do things. It's luxury. I, I like these things. And, and they're nice. We rightly like these things. But then we like a little more, and we like a little more, and we like a little more. And the Bible tells us you can't serve two masters. So here's a great question for all of us. And this is a question I think we constantly have to challenge ourselves with. Is my heart, is my mind, is my hearing more concerned with the cares of this world, more concerned with the deceitfulness of riches and what this world has to offer, the pleasures, as Luke says, of this world? Or is my heart and mind and ears more concerned with the things of Christ? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things may be added to you. You may have them all. You may not. 
but you may have a peace that passes all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Where are you? Where am I? The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, how does this describe us? What does this look like? I see it most frequently in people who will tell me that I'm called to missions. I'm called to go overseas and serve the Lord. A little time passes. Yeah, I just don't know if I can. I just don't know if I could really go overseas or perhaps I meet this good looking guy that loves Jesus. And you know, he's got a plan for life. It's not just Xbox 101. I mean, he's got a plan for life, right? I mean, call of duty is not what he does for a living. I mean, this is a, this is a godly guy. Or this guy meets this girl and I mean, she loves Jesus and and. And God's creation was good. And I'm just saying, this is a match made in heaven. I mean, I just met an angel and yeah, what's, you're not called to missions. I could give up that call. Oh, really? So you're right back in the garden. Eve, what'd you just do? I took a bite of the fruit. You want some? It's good. Yeah, I'll follow you rather than God. Oh, It's real easy until the temptation confronts us face to face. What's your calling? What's God called you to do? God's called me to use my vocational gifts to go somewhere so I can further the gospel. But see, going somewhere to further the gospel might mean I have to go to a place where there's not a lot of people that love the Lord and it's gonna be much harder than if I go right back home, right beside mom and dad. Mom and dad, don't get mad at me. You want your children in the will of the Lord just like I do, even if that means they're not 30 yards away from your house. And so I'm gonna go here. What am I gonna do? Are the cares of the world what's driving you? Is it the deceitfulness of riches? Oh, I could go do this, but it's not gonna have the exact same paycheck as if I go do this, but this is where I feel like the Lord's calling me. This is gonna have a better impact for the kingdom of God. Which one matters for now? Which one matters for all eternity? And how do we make our decisions? You understand what I'm trying to communicate here to you? The cares of the world distract us. They pull us away from what God wants us to do. God is a good father. He always wants best. We need to lean into those callings on our lives. We move to the fourth. Verse eight, other seed fell on good soil. Note the word good soil here because not all of it produces the same amount yet it's all called good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus explaining verse 23, and for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and they understand it. The Holy Spirit has opened their mind and their heart so that they understand the gospel that's being presented and we give glory to God and we, in humility, respond by saying, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to understand this gospel. He indeed bears fruit and yields. In one case, 100, another 60, another 30. Luke only states 100-fold. He doesn't include the 60 or 30. Matthew goes from 100 to 60 to 30, whereas Mark goes from 30 to 60 to 100. doesn't matter. Luke says he hears the word and understands it. Mark said he hears the word and accepts it. Luke says upon hearing it, he holds it fast in an honest and good heart and bears fruit with patience. There's some work inquired in bearing fruit, required of bearing fruit for the gospel. There's some work because you hear the word, you hold fast, 
You say, I'm gonna dig in, I wanna learn more, I'm gonna meditate on it, I'm gonna memorize it, I'm gonna put these spiritual disciplines into my life, I'm gonna be involved in a local church, I'm gonna be involved in the lives of others, I'm gonna work hard for the fruit of the gospel to go forth. It's not easy, it requires work. The receptive heart will bear fruit. A good heart, good soil. Good hearing, a good mind. Some of you may bear 100, some of you may bear 60, some of you may bear 30, but it's all called good soil. It's about bearing fruit. We don't look and say, how much did you do? How much did I do? How many people did you lead to the Lord? How many people got saved here? It's about bearing fruit for the gospel. We let Jesus worry about how much fruit is gonna be produced. So we have some application questions. Here are your application questions. Number one. How do we attempt to make sure that we have root in ourselves? All right, so I don't wanna be the shallow soil. I don't wanna be the hard soil. So apparently the shallow soil burned up and withered away when temptation and trials came because it had no root. So how do I make sure I have root in myself? Psalm one, I wanna be planted beside the, the, the water I wanna have deep roots that dig into the word of God. So if I wanna do that, I have to create habits in my life, recognizing I'm never gonna to become tomorrow what I'm not doing today. So today, I start the habit of reading the word with regularity and frequency. I listen to the word as I'm walking to and from classes or wherever I'm going. I make sure that my mind is in the word, that my mind is meditating on the word, that I'm focused on the word, that I'm focused on these spiritual disciplines that will help me grow, not because I'm legalistically checking boxes, but because I wanna be more like Christ. So the end goal is to be transformed, to be more like Christ. The way I become transformed to be more like Christ is to learn more about who he is and who I am and to grow in godliness through spiritual disciplines. If you just say, I read my Bible every day for four years, but I didn't grow to be more like Christ, you're not developing the deep roots that we're talking about. Those deep roots have to penetrate through those soil. They have to go around various things. Sometimes they even bust through rocks that may be in the soil. And so digging deep in your own life means you're gonna have to confront your sinful temptations. You're gonna have to overcome some of your fears. You're gonna have to deal with some nastiness left over that Paul calls the flesh. And you're gonna dig through and develop deep roots for that. What does it mean to have ears to hear? I'm open to hearing what the word says. So I ask, Lord, would you allow the Holy Spirit to open my ears so I can hear and understand what your word says? You can pray this as you're reading for your quiet time, as you're listening to a sermon, as you're approaching the word, as you're coming to your classes where you're gonna learn more about the word. Lord, help me to understand and hear. I recognize I do not have this ability in myself. Give me this ability through the power of your Holy Spirit to understand your word. What cares of this world Worldly successes or perhaps deceitfulness of riches are most likely to choke out your faith. Where's your temptation? If you're doing journaling, write it down. This, this is what's gonna cause me to be distracted. This is where I'm gonna be deceived by riches. This is where I have to watch my life. Oh, this is where I have to make sure I'm careful that I don't place this above God. Oh, I can't, I can't serve two masters. I gotta make sure I keep this in its proper place. The riches in and of themselves are just a tool. They're not evil in and of themselves, but it's when they deceive us to think that they're the one we put our trust in. That's when they're evil. That's when they're a problem. So if I get these riches, I hold them with an open hand. God, you've given me stuff. What do you want me to do with it? Where do you want me to utilize it? 
Lord, how do you help me make sure that you're the goal, you're the one? What is it? Write it down. Circle it. Star it. This is what I have to watch. Not just now, but forever. For the rest of my life, I need to pay attention. I need to play chess, not checkers. I need to think ahead and go, if this is my temptation, here are the steps I need to put in place, not legalistically, just wisdom, to avoid those things. Here are the things I need to tell my buddies about. Here are the things I need to tell my friends about so they can ask me hard questions. What does it mean to bear fruit? It does not mean that we grow off stems and start producing apples or peaches or pears or whatever your fruit of choice is. You understand this. This means that producing fruit for the gospel means that the fruit of the Spirit Peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we react. It changes the way we minister and love others. We love others as ourselves because Christ loved us. When we were yet sinners, he died for us. We show that love to other people. This is the fruit. Go back. Look at how often it's included in scripture. The focus of this parable is not the sower, it's the soil. It's the same seed, produces some crop, no crop, much crop. Now think about this. The soil cannot change itself. I'm the hard path. Pray that the Holy Spirit would soften your heart. I'm the shallow hearer. Pray that the Holy Spirit would provide you roots. I'm just distracted. I'm everywhere. Pray that the Holy Spirit would dig you deep to be firmly planted beside the rivers of living water. A soil can't change itself, but there's a gardener. And that eternal gardener can pull out that plow and he can plow up those paths. He can remove those rocks. He can get rid of those weeds. And by the power of the Holy Spirit and through his word, he can change soil from one type of soil to another type of soil because that's what he does. He took all of our hard hearts and converted them so that they would be receptive hearts, new hearts listening to the gospel message. If you're one of the souls you don't wanna be, ask the Lord even right now to change your mind, your heart, your hearing so that you can receive this gospel message. Today we have a warning. It's a warning to examine our lives, to examine our hearts, our souls, our hearing, our minds, to make sure that we are the receptive, that we are listening, that we are digging in, that we are leaning into the gospel and the word so that we will produce fruit. You say, well, I don't produce any fruit. Then you're not the receptive soil. Well, how do I produce fruit? You ask the Holy Spirit to change your life you dig in with friends around you. You begin to change your sinful habits. You begin to make war with the passions of this flesh and you begin to pursue God with all that you have. God will bring the increase. Dear Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for all of our students. I pray for all of those who may be watching or listening online. Lord, that you would help us to constantly examine ourselves so that we are living a life sold out for you, fruitful and receptive hearers of the gospel, so that, Lord, you will be glorified ultimately and not us, so that we will be faithful servants, faithful stewards to serve you well through this life for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you are dismissed.